You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm here with Jeff, Ken, and Matt. How's everyone doing today? Hi. Fantastic. Hello. Yeah. So, Neil, uh, before we get started, I did want to talk about something. And anybody who listens to this show knows that when I start the show off like this, you know, there's probably something serious coming. And today, I'm afraid it's quite grave. Okay, that's fine. All right. So, you know how we've always kind of looked up to the Dutch. They're an inspiring society and, dare I say it, aspirational. Right. We have some friends from there and everything, right? right. Well, I discovered something that is forcing me to examine my entire worldview a little bit differently. And that is Huggleslog. Have you heard of this? I have not, no. Okay. Uh, Neil, I want you to picture yourself as a small Dutch child, which should be no problem for you. That's easy. As you do that usually. Mm-hmm. And your motor is not home. Okay. Okay. So no you motor. To, you have to prepare a meal for yourself using three ingredients in the kitchen. What is it? Oh, geez. Um, I'd say something like uh, venison, uh, maybe some whole milk, and uh, a sharp cheddar. Afraid not. Okay. Hagelslag is white bread, butter, and chocolate sprinkles okay and they eat this so i I just need an explanation i I just need an explanation that's all so willem if you if you could just uh, let us know i'm surprised you didn't already know about this you knew about this oh yes you knew about hoggle slog what a delicious treat yeah i'm a big slogger over here what do you think matt every day hoggle this might this might be a challenge this might have we, to be a bet. We should do a hoggle slog challenge. Maybe there's a but correct yeah, I way just, of doing it. I just it. want an explanation. Um, maybe it's delicious. I don't know. It, well, we'll, it's we'll got find all out. of the food groups. Butter, <laughs> bread, and chocolate sprinkles. But yeah, here's Those true. are the three food groups. But in, in typical uh, Dutch metal fashion, hoggle slog actually means like hailstorm or something, which is pretty cool. <laughs> that is cool. Uh, well, I think uh, maybe we should make that a challenge for today. So maybe if uh, uh, Jeff and uh, Ken, you're going to be partnering today. So maybe if you lose or win either way, maybe you need to have some hoggle slog. <laughs> Um, but uh, we do have some special work, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're just going to make them eat it regardless. Um, but we do have some special guests here today to take part in, and maybe we're just going to add this hoggle slog challenge to the whole game. So let's start with our guest for today. Uh, super excited to have him here. We're big fans of his show. Uh, we listen all the time. So many great topics. Uh, wonderful hosts. They're they're bite sized. We'll let him explain a little bit more. Uh, but coming to us from Johnson City, Tennessee, um, he's a newly uh, not a robot supporter on Patreon, which we appreciate. Ryan Buds from Trivia with Buds. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, fellas. How's it going? Thanks so much for having me today. Of course. Thanks for uh, for being here. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and then for everyone at home, uh, what you're doing and, and how much fun you're having uh, doing Trivia with Buds. Before I say anything about myself, I have to compliment you guys on doing such a great show for so many years. And I uh, realized I was not a Patreon subscriber today and that number was at 499 and i was like i gotta be lucky number 500 right? uh, thank you oh thank <laughs> you roll thank it you. over awesome yeah i have a trivia podcast myself comes out monday through friday on most weeks unless i get super bogged down with crazy uh life stuff but there's about 2200 episodes to listen to and they're bite-sized you know uh under 10 minutes for the most part every uh episode and uh, I've been doing it for, I think, eight years now. It's one of my favorite things to do, and I host a lot of trivia events all over Northeast Tennessee and Southern California and uh, a lot of virtual stuff these days. Uh, still, I thought the virtual stuff would kind of die down in 23, but we're still going strong with 
virtual uh, team building activities for different companies and things like that. But uh, coolest show I got to do recently was with the cast of Ted Lasso in Los wow. Angeles. Um, That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, the entire cast, one of my favorite shows, got flown out to host trivia for a Emmy award voting kind of event and got to meet the whole cast and schmooze with them. And uh, the winner of the trivia on the leaderboard, it said uh, in, in second place, Jason. So I said, Jason, come on up to the stage and get your prize. And it was Jason Sudeikis, star of Ted Lasso. So, <laughs> should, should hope uh, he knows a, a bit about it. You know? Yeah, as a creator and star of it, uh, he did get beat by someone who was just a super fan in the audience by a few points, but uh, it was a very fun thing. He came on stage and he said, uh, hey, I'm Jason. And I said, I know. And, uh, and then he goes, no, Jason, Jason on the leaderboard. And then we high-fived and uh, the audience laughed. So it worked out really good. That's well, so well, great. That sounds really boring. Sorry, I had to do that. And, you know, <laughs> but uh, I can't believe you had that amazing experience. So. I, I I went to sleep that night and had a fly back to Tennessee very early the next morning, and I was laying in bed like a little boy, uh, waiting for Christmas uh, or something. And I was just like, "Did that really just happen to me?" Uh, it, it, and and then when I woke up the next day, I still couldn't. It felt like a weird glitch in the matrix. You know, if this is all an AI simulation. Somebody was like, oh, he likes Ted Lasso. Let him do that in this version of this weird video game. Throw in some interesting code. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what a fantastic story. And and thank you for sharing it. And yeah, and if anyone uh, hasn't heard uh, Ryan's show before, make sure you check it out. And if you need him to host your trivia events, um, you also can slap the hand that slapped Jason Sudeikis' Mm -hmm. hand. So. That's um, very true. Yeah. yeah, so there you go. And uh, speaking of Ted Lasso, we have a special guest host here today who's rocking a uh, very Ted Lasso-esque mustache. It's not true. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it into the wind here. But uh, we have uh, our friend Nathan Borker coming to us from Duluth, Minnesota, Oakland 5 supporter on Patreon, which we appreciate. Thanks for joining us today, Nathan. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I unfortunately can't follow up uh, Ryan's story here with a, a good one of my own. But yeah, I uh, live in Duluth, Minnesota, and um, my job i work for a large healthcare company um and basically i uh, coordinate uh, medications and make sure that they're covered by people's insurances when the doctor orders them and that sort of thing it's not anything glorious but pays the bills um, and important work yes yeah as, as somebody who also out. does support services for healthcare, um yeah no it's <laughs> definitely important so yes. Yeah, always, um, always uh, yeah. needed, never appreciated. So exactly, um, I'm married to my wife Brianna. We have two golden retrievers, uh, Lila and Penny Lane. And uh, my one trivia story um, is actually involves my wife. Uh, so when we were dating, uh, we uh, would frequent trivia night, and um, I coordinated with the trivia host there to uh, work in a proposal to my now wife. Uh, So the last question of the day, he brought me on stage to pretend to read a question, but it was actually a proposal to my wife. So um, very cute. Yeah, that was that's my that's my trivia story. But yeah, I uh, I've always just enjoyed trivia and just kind of uh, random knowledge and that sort of thing. I've I've kind of been known as that guy. That's wonderful. Well, uh, it sounds like she got the question right, so that's good too. So <laughs> she congratulations. Did, yes. yes. Uh, well, thank you for joining us today and for, uh, I'm sure, getting Lila and Penny Lane to help with the questions. Uh, you're going to be hosting today, so we, we need some teams. Uh, I already said Ken and Jeff, you're going to be teaming together, uh, but we need to start with Ryan and Matt for their team name. Matt, what is your team name today? I thought that, you know, we just combine a couple names for our shows and there'll be Triviality with Buds. All right. And. Since they're doing that with buds, we'll just be team no friends. Team no friends. Okay. That's all right. And uh, we're going to go to the rules to make sure we... It was not as successful of a pilot as friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) Kind of sad. Nathan, any preference on the rules read? Uh, Well, I guess since we were talking Dutch earlier, let's do the Dutch read. All right. Let's get Willem. De regels van het spel zijn simpel. 20 vragen verdeeld over twee rondes, waarbij elke vraag 10 punten waard is. Halverwege is er een speciale swingronde, ontworpen door de host van deze week. Na deze rondes beginnen de spelers aan de finale, met de punten die ze hebben verdiend. En hebben ze de mogelijkheid om 0 tot 30 punten in te zetten op 5 gecategoriseerde vragen. Aan het eind van het spel wordt iemand benoemd tot the cream of the crop. Yeah. I know. I am living in a nightmare. And I am the queen. 
Yeah, he he managed to. Thank you, Willem. No, no, no uh, description of Hagelslag no. in there, but uh, maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Yeah, uh, I was slightly Nathan, disappointed. <laughs> Nathan, feel free to take it away, and I'm just going to be here uh, scorekeeping. All right. So round one, question one. Uh, I don't have any themes, but um, I'll give some category names, which uh, may or may not uh, give a clue to some of the answers sometimes here. So uh, question number one is lucky thirteen. As of this recording, we are about a week away from my 13th wedding anniversary. So in the traditional 13th anniversary gift, uh, what is the traditional uh, gift? As a hint, it is in the name of a 1944 Cary Grant film, and no, it is not Poison. Okay, we're going to go ahead and lock in here. I don't know too many Cary Grant films, to be honest, um, but we're taking a guess. Right. Well, I haven't reached my 13th wedding anniversary yet because I haven't reached first or getting married. Um, so I'm I'm at a loss here. Ryan, what do you what do you know about these gifts? Mine is in two years. So I have no idea. I remember the first five because you really do those, I feel like, in the, yeah. in the beginning. And then you very quickly go, what? Are you, you know, yeah, um, it's amazing if we even get each other gifts anymore. Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> they get more. You're practical. like, wow. I can't believe this is the Scrimshaw anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember it's it's there's a very drastic leap where it's like paper, cotton, and then it's like leather. Yeah. Like third third year is like sex swing, you know. Oh. Um, <laughs> Statue but, of Liberty. Just, yeah, you gotta, that's when you got to start spicing it up. <laughs> yeah, you got to start. You got to keep that marriage going. So I, I know it's not a couple of those very common things. I don't think this is super correct, but. Um, I thought of the Alfred Hitchcock movie Rope. I don't know what year that came out, but maybe something out of Rope or Hemp or something like that. But yeah, that's a very loose guess. Right. Um, I I'm okay with maybe like Silk. Would it be? Yeah, that's and that sounds like a movie title as well. Yeah. So I'm I, that that makes more sense than Rope. So we'll go with Silk. All right. We just went based off of what substances we might expect to see in a movie title, and we went with Steel. I think what Nathan was going for, I'm just going to step in just for one time here this game, but uh, I believe the poison clue was arsenic, and arsenic and old lace, so I'm thinking it's lace. Yep, Neil is absolutely correct, so no points. Uh, it was a reference to arsenic and old lace, so 13th anniversary gift is lace. And so question number two in a completely different direction. The category is Oh Baby. And I'm going to give you plus or minus two uh, either way on this one. How many times is the word baby used in Justin Bieber's 2010 song, Baby? Okay, we've done some uh, Bieberometry, and uh, we have come up with our answer. Um, are you familiar with the song? I am familiar with the song, and I know I've asked this trivia question before somewhere in my life, but okay. that, you know, somewhere in the last 13 years. Uh, well, the chorus goes, baby 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 oh baby 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 oh and does that twice so there's at least 12 per chorus and i'm guessing three choruses maybe an outro so i i'm thinking some it's either it's like 30 like 36 to 50 somewhere in there yeah and i would i would lean 48 i think i think they do it four times I would say anywhere in the 40s I'm comfortable with. So if you say 48, that's good. Okay. We'll lock him with 48. So we're going a little higher. We actually think he does it nine times per chorus, and we think they're double choruses. So that brought us up to 54, and we're adding two, two more just for any random babies in there. So 56. All right. Well, points to one team. Uh, I did not count this myself. Um, I'm basing off what the internet says, and the internet is always right. Uh, 56 times is wow. Wow. Um, Come on. What? And a little bit of extra trivia. So 55 times is uh, from Justin Bieber himself, and one time from Ludacris as the (laughs) breakdown. I literally just pulled out my songwriting instinct there, and and that's what we came up with. I bet you guys feel dumb not knowing one of those was from Ludacris. <laughs> yeah, really exactly. dumb. Seriously. Yeah. I didn't even, to be honest, I did not know Ludacris was in the song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, question number three uh, category is the Good Old Boys Club. 
Presidents Eisenhower and George H.W. Bush are among the non-professional inductees in the World Hall of Fame in what sport? So I wanted to pick a silly sport. Um, Jeff uh, said a reasonable answer, and we're going to go with the reasonable answer. So what are you guys saying? Mm, Ryan, do we have a reasonable answer? That would be a negative. Uh, I know more about Bieber than I do about <laughs> either of these guys. Well, um, if it was his son, I would have said ski shots or beer pong. Um, but we're talking about, <laughs> about the father. And I'm, yeah. I believe he was a large fisherman. Um, I don't know if Dwight also was fishing, but I think that fishing is probably the answer here. Is fishing considered a sport, like a sports sport? Well, it is by those who fish and by everyone else, not as much, um, (laughs) but by them, they say it's a sport. Um, and I, I think that we should lock in with fishing. I imagine it wouldn't be a big deal if there was a cheating scandal, if it wasn't a sport. So that's actually a really interesting answer, but we went with football. Um, just figuring that that was a pretty common thing that uh, people like to do. All right. Well, unfortunately, no points uh, on this one. Uh, the answer in this one is golf. Um, Eisenhower was actually a really big golfer, and uh, there was a big, big golf boom in the 50s. Um, he was yeah, a big proponent of it. And actually, uh, I mean, George H.W. Bush comes from a pretty big golf family. The Walker Cup um, is named after his, oh yeah, uh, I believe, grandfather. And obviously where George Herbert Walker gets his name from. So. I never even put that cool. together. Yeah. I always thought it was Herschel Walker, and he was a big football guy. <laughs> my fault. <laughs> All right. Question number four. Curses foiled again. In classical music, what number symphony is considered cursed as several composers, including Antonin Dvorak, Franz Schubert, and Gustav Mahler died before completing their next symphony? You think it's a single digit for sure? I do think it's a single digit. but I. What don't... about ninth? Ninth? Um, yeah, it's as good as any other answer. And, okay. you know, less than 10 couldn't make it what a shame uh, we'll say nine ladies and gentlemen this is symphony number nine yeah we said nine all right points to both teams i uh <laughs> wow. purposely left off the most famous one which is uh beethoven beethoven yep yep yeah. um Kind of the reason I came up with that question, I actually, I sing with the Duluth Superior Symphony Orchestra Choir, and we had our concert last night, and we sang Beethoven's Ninth, so that was kind of on my mind. But yeah, uh, several composers uh, have uh, died after completing their Ninth Symphony. All right, uh, question number five, category is Danger is My Middle Name. In 1963, the New York Zoo's Great Ape House had an exhibit named The Most Dangerous Animal in the World. What did this exhibit feature? I think I know this one, but do you have an idea? It's an ape house, so I'm thinking gorilla? Does gorilla work for you? I think that this was like a commentary piece, and it was a mirror, and and you were the most dangerous uh, uh, okay, that makes way more sense. Much, than, much uh, like we won the time person of the year when it was you, and this was also. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Congratulations that, on that, by the, the way. Pre- a previous award. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the world's most dangerous animal was man. In the words of Futurama, turns out it was man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm going to give points to both teams. Uh, Matt had it on the head. It was a mirror. So, yes, man is the most dangerous animal well if we look in the mirror at ourselves for the scores of this game it looks like triviality with buds with 20 no friends with 30 Mm, we are not the most dangerous yet we need more points (laughs) but it's a close game anybody's game all right round one question number six the category is texting old school what tech company was founded in 1865 as a paper mill no word if the paper was as notoriously indestructible as their later products. Yep, we're going to lock in. Uh, I wrote down Otterbox, but that can't be that mm-hmm. old. Uh, something indestructible, but 
the clue is something to do with texting, right? Uh, yes. So my thought is the the meme of the mid two thousands was how indestructible the old Nokia bricks were, those brick phones. So I think that this is probably Nokia. Nokia. That's I like that better. All right. So I think they ran an experiment where they, where they dropped a Nokia phone off of a skyscraper, and unfortunately, the Earth's core still has not repaired itself. Um, so we said Nokia as well. Yep, you guys uh, are both correct. It was Nokia. I thought that was interesting that they started their life as a paper mill. That was my first phone. It was an orange Nokia brick. Played Snake on it. That's all you could play. Yep. <laughs> Used Prob- it as a bludgeoning weapon. Probably I did. Yeah, still I, I, I killed a man once with a Nokia. So no, they also had uh, Othello, Matt. Thank you. So, all right. Uh, question number seven. Category is the Googles do nothing. Google image search was created after so many people were searching for this celebrity's 2000 Grammys outfit that the search engine decided to add a search function. We're locked in. It's the only one I know, Matt. Oh yeah. I think she wore it recently, didn't she? Yeah, and also uh, Trey Parker or Matt Stone, I think, wore it as <laughs> well. <laughs> too, yeah. yeah. So Jennifer Lopez, right? J-Lo. Jenny from the block. Why do you need to search it when it's permanently in your in your mind, you know? <laughs> She's just as beautiful as she was 20 years ago when she wore this dress. So we said J-Lo. Yep, uh, that was Jennifer Lopez's famous dress. The real star of that night was the tape. <laughs> Pulled it all together. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, question number eight. Who are you calling buff-bellied? What animal comes in such species as charming, buff-bellied, and bumblebee? Um, so I think, I think it's a flying... I think it might be a bird. Um, the bumblebee... And the charming sound familiar, something I've heard before, um, <clears throat> but I'm not sure. Do you have any ideas? I have a weird theory that it's tuna, because okay. Bumblebee and Charming and Charming Charlie and Charlie Tuna. I feel oh. like those are weird plays, but Buff-Bellied doesn't That's stick right. with me, and I don't, I may just be really reaching because of Bumblebee. Um, yeah. But it is a quality tuna brand, so I'm 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 not against it. I do. I, I do think... feel like these are more avian names. Yeah, but there's so many kinds of birds, and I don't think we're gonna. Get, I don't think they're like it could be a finch, it could be a pigeon, it could be who knows. So, um, tuna at least we had some kind of reasoning behind. So I'm okay locking in with tuna. All right, give it a try. All right, I too thought it was an avian uh, creature. Um, and thought maybe Nathan was doing a stream of consciousness sort of th- thing from the previous question, so we went with the booby. <laughs> well, uh, you were on the right track. It is a bird. Uh, it's actually the hummingbird. Oh, I that popped in my head when I thought of bumblebee and how they how they move, and I'm like, no, mm. but that does make sense. Yeah, I believe the bumblebee hummingbird is, uh, due to its size, I think it's, if not the smallest, one of the smallest uh, birds there are. All right, question number nine, the game that never ends. How many hotels come in a standard Monopoly game? Jeff has a guess. Uh, I really need to play Monopoly one of these days because I have no idea, so we're just going with Jeff. All right. They're locked in. Jeff has played Monopoly, so he has one up on some of us on our team. Uh, the only one I've ever played was Star Wars, so I'm thinking that these were the Millennium Falcons, but I don't exactly remember how that worked. Um, do you have any idea? I've played a lot of Monopoly, and I just drew the board on my whiteboard desk, and I okay. counted the spaces, and if there is a hotel for every sp- uh, every property that you could put a hotel on, that would be 44 hotels. I think think that I remember the official rules of the game. I think people think you can have a hotel on every single one, but there's actually a limited amount that are actually available. That may be um, true too. Which is why they're so valuable because there's a limited amount. Um, you said 48? It'd be 44 for every property in the game. Okay. 
I think it's less than half of that because I think that that creates the scarcity that makes them valuable. I think it's got to be at least in the 20s. I would say 22. Let's do half of 44. How about that? Half of 44, 22. That's what we're going with. So I know with Monopoly that you have to build equally across your entire footprint, right? So if you own like the three light blue spaces, you would have to put a hotel on each of them if you wanted to have a hotel. But first you have to go through all the houses, right? And and it's up to four houses and then you can put a hotel. Um, So if there's four times as many houses theoretically as um, hotels, I couldn't imagine there was more than like 50 houses. So we settled on 12 hotels. I know it's not a lot. And you tend not to need them because by that time, the game's just moving right to the finish. So, All right. Well, points to one team. It is 12. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot less than, than you would think. All right. Let's get the last question in the first round. All right. Category is Barry Manilow Bleeds Music. Barry Manilow famously sings the song, I Write the Songs. But ironically, he didn't actually write that song. He did, however, write several jingles, including the State Farm Like a Good Neighbor jingle and the jingle for this other ubiquitous household product. I hope you don't get stuck on this one. Hmm. Are we stuck on this one? I think so. What is what is the name of uh, something? Some, uh, band aids? Band aids? Something? You're stuck on band aids because band aids are stuck on you? Something like- yeah, you're stuck on band aid brand because band aids stick on you. I believe that sounds like a Barry Manilow jam. Oh in yeah, my opinion. <laughs> he's rocking so, out in the booth to that one. He follows up uh, Copacabana with that jingle at, at his concerts, I believe. Um, I th- I think we can lock in with Band Aid. Yeah, uh, I'm stuck on Band Aid brand because Band Aid's stuck on me, Ken. Oh, I do know that song. Okay. All right. Yep. You guys both picked up on the clue. I also had added the clue in the uh, name of the category barry manilow bleeds music oh it is band-aid i'm gonna need those clues on every question we we just kept ignoring it it's uh (laughs) it's what is that called when a brand is so ubiquitous that you use it instead of like the oh like kleenex instead of tissue or or q-tip instead of there's a name for that but i can't remember well, uh, speaking of Q-tips, uh, we're, we've cleaned out our ears a little bit, so the scores have gotten higher after hearing the questions. So it looks like Triviality with Bud's going to pick up 30 points, bringing their total to 50 before the swing round. And No Friends picking up 40 points, bringing their total to 70. So slight bigger lead for the No Friends team. All right. So the swing round, I have named Almost EGOTs. So, of course, recently Viola Davis became the 18th EGOT winner when she picked up her Grammy earlier this year. Uh, These are going to be people who have three of the four. And so in this swing round, I will give you a name and you tell me which EGOT award they are missing from their collection. Sounds good. All right. Uh, Number one is Julie Andrews. Number two, Cher. Number three, Elton John. Number four, Quincy Jones, number five, Bette Midler, number six, Liza Minnelli, number seven, Lin-Manuel Miranda, number eight, Helen Mirren, number nine, Al Pacino, and number 10, Barbara Streisand. All right, we have our figures. We will try to figure out what they're missing, and we'll be right back after these messages. hoo Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. 
You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, all the answers are in. Let's see what uh, the scores are going to look like after the swing round. Nathan, take it away. All right. Uh, for number one, Julie Andrews. Man, I said Julie Andrews is missing an Emmy. Yeah, I can't picture her on TV, so we also said Emmy. All right. No points on this one. She's actually missing a Tony, which is what? surprising. Yeah. Okay. Number two, Cher. For that one, we said Tony. Yeah, um, we're sure about the Oscar. That's a pretty known uh, trivia fact. And we think maybe it's a Tony. All right. Points to both teams. She's missing the Tony. Number three, Elton John. Again, I can't really picture him doing something on TV, so we said Emmy. We also said no Emmy for Elton. And both teams correct, no Emmy for Elton. Number four, Quincy Jones. For that one, we thought no Tony. Um, we weren't sure. We were, it was a toss-up between Oscar and Emmy for us, and we went with Oscar. All right. Uh, points to Triviality with Buds. Uh, no Oscar for Quincy. Number five, Bette Midler. On that one, we said no Emmy. We said no Tony. No points on this one. The Divine Miss M is missing an Oscar. Uh, number six, Liza Minnelli. So for this one, we thought no Oscar, because surely she's won a Tony, right? This was a total guess for us, and we thought it'd be weird if she didn't have a Grammy, so we went with Grammy. All right. Uh, again, points to Triviality with Buds. No Grammy. I believe she has her Oscar for Cabaret. That's correct. All right. Number seven, Lin-Manuel Miranda. So we know he's nominated a lot for Oscars, but I can't see him accepting award on the Oscar stage. So we said Oscar. We said no Emmy for Lin-Manuel. All right. Points to no friends on that one. No Oscar. He's been nominated a few times, and I think he'll get there someday. But as of right now, no Oscar. Number eight, Helen Mirren. Uh, we went with Grammy on this one. Uh, this one we went Oscar. All right. The point. Queen, Matt. Yeah, uh, she does have an Oscar for the Queen, but she does not have a Grammy. Uh, number nine, Al Pacino. What, you didn't hear my spoken word poetry audio cassette? We said Grammy. We also said Grammy. All right, points to both teams. Al Pacino does not have a Grammy. That would be shocking. Uh, like, that one was the only one I was like, for sure. There's no way. We suggested it was for the Dunkachino song from Jack and Joe. <laughs> yeah, number one Billboard hit. <laughs> All right, and number 10, Barbara Streisand. We thought no Emmy. We uh, went no Tony on this one. And points to Triviality with Buds. Babs does not have a Tony. Crazy. Ooh, we did not do as well in this uh, swing round. I think we did better than we thought we did. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys did no pretty idea. good. You did. Uh, Triviality with Buds picking up 30 points, bringing their total to 80. And No Friends picking up 25 points, bringing their total to 95. All right. Let's get into round two. Question one. Category is Lonely People. Wolton Cemetery in Liverpool, England, has a gravestone which reads in part, Died 10th October 1939, aged 44, asleep. What name is on this gravestone, which became the title of a famous song 27 years later? This be this is probably probably a Beatles song, right? Yeah, that's the time period that that would be in, in that area. Is it? Do you think it's Eleanor Rigby? Eleanor Rigby. Name in the gravestone, title of famous song. I don't think what it, are the other what are a few other 
I don't think it says See, "Hey Jude" on the uh, on the tombstone. <laughs> what? Um, hey Jude, rise yeah. from the dead. <laughs> they don't have any other songs that's a first and last name. Not that they? I could think of. That was just the first thing that popped into my head. I'm I'm good with that. Okay. I wrote a song about a tombstone. You know, I was taking a piss in the cemetery and I saw a tombstone, Eleanor Rigby. Uh, we said Eleanor Rigby also. All right, points to both teams. Yes, it is Eleanor Rigby. Although, uh, if you ask Paul McCartney, he claims that he doesn't remember seeing that name on the gravestone when he wrote the song. So, <laughs> Just a but then again, he has done a lot of drugs. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> All right. Question number two, the category is, I've got a sinking feeling about this. Fittingly, this island territory has a shipwreck featured on its flag. I suppose if the flag had one less side, it might be a little too on the nose. All right. These gentlemen are locked in. So I thought maybe Trinidad because you said one less side. So I had a triangle. You said... That's what, well, yeah, Trinidad and Tobago is a country, a, a country. It's a territory. So talking about a territory, maybe it's Bermuda for the Bermuda Triangle. There you go. Okay, good teamwork there. <laughs> I had just watched Gulliver's Travels, in which this triangle uh, appears heavily at the beginning of the movie. Uh, what do we say, Ryan? I was thinking Bermuda. Yep. All right, points to both teams. You picked up on the clue of the triangle. It is Bermuda. All right, question number three. I've got the best soliloquies. Of all of Shakespeare's characters, Hamlet has the most lines in a single play. But if you count characters who appear, appear across multiple plays, the most lines belong to this character who appears in Henry IV and the Merry Wives of Windsor. So we have no idea. Should we just say Henry IV? Maybe he's in both? Sure. And I'm sure he's in Henry IV. I should hope. I would imagine he would have a lot of lines in that. All right, let's go with it. I have no idea, Matt. Is there a character that shows up in Shakespeare plays like Spider-Man. the sun or yeah. God? Spider-Man is in both. Or Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> the sun uh... or God or Spider-Man. So like sounds a like a great... Avengers He's epic. sort of the Samuel Jackson of the Shakespearean universe. He's just always peppered in randomly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's stage direction, I believe, would be the character I would pick. Um, I, I've been meaning to look into Shakespeare. I, it's such a like a dearth of knowledge for me i know nothing and i and it comes up all the time and i still know nothing um so outside of saying henry the fourth as well i have nothing to add i think it's uh the uh, first name of one of matt's favorite bands and uh the weapon that uh, donatello uses from the ninja turtles uh falstaff yep uh neil is correct it is falstaff good poll ken that was a hard one yeah so so is is one like a sequel to the other or is Falstaff just like uh like an overarching narrator or something Yeah, he just pops in, he's like comedic relief, like and makes Shakespeare's jokes. Just like I'm going to bring this guy back. Yeah. He was a he was a big hit. He tested yeah, well he's with just a big goofball. <laughs> it's basically like Jack if you put like Jack Black in like random movies and he comes in for like 5 minutes and then he leaves. All right, question number 4. Do you want to see a dead body? What you need? <laughs> Is that the question? No. That, that's no. <laughs> Move on. No, it's yes. almost two Point. of our episode titles, though. Yes. Points, please. points to both teams. Yes, you want to see a dead body. No. <laughs> All right. uh, question number four the category name is Do you want to see a dead body? What unique animal's name comes from the Norse meaning corpse whale due to its mottled coloration and its habit of lying near the surface, leading people to believe they were seeing a dead body? So yes, as uh, Jeff was alluding to, we have a episode titled, Do You Want to See a Dead Body? And another episode titled, Do You Want to Smell a Dead Body? So, <laughs> so maybe this episode would be, Do You Want to Touch a Dead Body? I like that. Yeah. <laughs> the Dead Body se- uh, series. Yeah. Um, the only thing I have is that Corpse Whale would be a cool name of a metal band. But I have nothing I else also have nothing to contribute. I keep thinking of it. I was thinking, I'm like, does a walrus lay on its back like that? And I'm like, I would never see a walrus with the tusks sticking out and be like, that's got to be a dead body. <laughs> Check out that guy. He's okay. Look at that guy's teeth. <laughs> Although sailors back in the day were seeing all kinds of stuff. So Yeah. yeah. So that that's the only thing is it, it has to be vaguely human-shaped uh, as far as like what you would see floating. Um Maybe mermaid hippopotamus hippopotamus maybe it seems like they kind of float near the 
top. I like it. That is uh, what I was trying to come up with, something that at least comes to the top of the water. So I think that sounds good. Okay, we're going to go with hippos. Not a bad guess. Uh, we're saying uh, the beluga whale. Uh, so points to neither team on this one. This one is uh, probably my favorite animal. It's definitely unique. It is the narwhal. Uh, uh, had it written yeah. down to. Popped in my head, and I thought that tooth that wouldn't look like a human, would it? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't think so. Well, although I and... assume that the wall part was from like tooth because the walrus is narwhal, but okay. Yeah, I thought about throwing in the scientific name, which is Monodon monoceros, but I thought that might be a little maybe would not have helped me. <laughs> Neil, you got any fun narwhal facts? Um, I just heard it's conjecture, so. That, that they may or may not they be may real. or not be real okay. yeah i did learn a new word though looking up modeled coloration uh it says uh the presence of spots or streaks of a particular color usually reddish yellowish or white which may exist in certain soil horizons i like that name soil horizons okay mm. that's definitely a metal band name. yeah soil horizons <laughs> or soiled horizons oh, if you have no. a really long show so i hear soiled horizons <laughs> is playing with corpse whale this evening <laughs> All right, question number five. The category is none in a blue moon. Because of the length of the lunar cycle, it's possible for the month of February to pass without having a full moon. This last happened in 2018 and will happen again in 2037. But in February 1608, and which will happen again in February 2572, what even rarer occurrence happened on those dates it's saying february doesn't have a full moon at all so it's got to be something more than that um weekly maybe four or two let's i think four would be a lot maybe okay maybe two four two full moons i feel like that's kind of like a not that exciting of an answer that like all right yeah. great two four yeah. four seems like a it'd be a real event yeah, and we're not going to be around to see it. So. Yeah, oh, what a shame. If I, right. if I could visit one date in the future, it would be this one. Uh, we, oh, can't wait. We'll say four full moons. It would be a real event in terms of cataclysm for our planet and gravity. Um, but what did we have? So uh, we think if the um, lunar cycle is about a little over 28 days, that if you had like a leap year, you could potentially have and a full moon. And it was lined moon. up just right. Yeah, you could have one maybe on like the 1st and the 29th. We said two full moons. All right. Well, uh, Jeff was on the right track. Um, these were leap years, uh, but it actually happened that there were still no full moons on the leap year. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, close, but not quite. Went the other way on that one. After five questions in the second round, it looks like Triviality with Bud's picking up 20 points, bringing their total to an even 100, and uh, No Friends uh, picking up 20 points as well, bringing their total to 115. Still anyone's game, but uh, right in the middle of this score update, just wanted to say thank you so much to all of our Patreon supporters, uh, including Ryan and Nathan, uh, for helping support the show. If you want to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast where you'll get a lot of uh, great perks, stickers, and uh, audio bonuses, boxes, posters, all that good stuff, depending on what level you're at. Or if you want to make a one-time contribution, you can go to our Tee Public store and grab a T-shirt or sticker uh, from over there, or just uh, tell a friend about our show. We'd really appreciate that. So uh, if you'd like to join Patreon to help our show continue to grow, go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast, and we would very much appreciate it. Nathan, now let's move on to question six. All right. Question number six is band name origins. What rock band, which formed in 1994, takes its name from a term used by the Allies in World War II to describe various unidentified flying objects? Reluctant. Interesting. Um, all right, do you know this one, Ryan? I was waiting for it to pop up in the chat so I can kind of look at it. Yeah, um, what Do you have any initial thoughts? I believe it is a Dave Grohl band. I'm almost 100% sure it's Foo Fighters. That's the Rock Band 94, term used by allies, UFOs, Foo Fighters. Yeah, that sounds great. I bought my first album in 96, and it was a Foo Fighters album. Oh, very so, familiar then. So that's 100% yeah. locked in. Mm -hmm. uh, we said Foo Fighters as well. 
All right, yep, points to both teams. It is the Foo Fighters. Question number seven, category is going all the way. What song published in 1857 and now associated with Christmas was originally written to be sung for Thanksgiving and possibly even intended as a drinking song? We're locked in. I got this one, Matt. Oh, good. I don't, so that works. <laughs> it's uh, Jingle Bells. Yes, we agree. All right. Yes, the answer is Jingle Bells. That song actually came uh, courtesy of one of my coworkers, Kelly. So shout out to Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. Which is crazy that it took another 75 years for the best iteration of that to come around when Batman came up in the 30s. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question number eight, living in luxury. The Hilton Opera Hotel in the historic French quarter of this capital city was built in 1999, not far from the site of a prison with a sarcastically given nickname that was torn down a few years earlier. I have no bearings to guess anything other than what you say, Matt. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go with Paris. Okay, we're gonna go with a non uh, French capital, but in a uh, nation that has a long French history, and we're gonna say Casablanca. All right. Well, apparently this one was a lot harder than I anticipated. Uh, The clue in the question was uh, more or less the Hilton uh, part. If you've ever heard the term Hanoi Hilton, that was the nickname of the prison. So the answer is Hanoi, the capital of Vietnam. All right, moving on to question number nine. Hopefully this one's more up your alley. Uh, Category is signs of spring training. The Los Angeles Dodgers started their history in Brooklyn and went through a series of name changes. By what name were they known from 1914 to 1931? Not named after the bird, but for their manager at the time. What about another bird from like like Oriole, like something that is used now? Uh, I mean, maybe. An egret? <laughs> uh, let's go Oriole. That could, that could okay. be something. Oriole. Okay. Yeah, we did not know anything via the baseball history, but we just picked a bird that could also be a dude's name um, per the question, and we said Robin. The Robins. All right. Points to no friends. It is the Robins. Uh, the manager was named Wilbert Robinson. They were also known as the bridegrooms at one point. Uh, they were also known as the Superbas. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but S-U-P-E-R-B-A-S. And the bridegrooms and just the grooms for a time. They got to work on these names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And question number 10, the category is the shape of you. If something is described as oviform, it means egg-shaped. What shape does pyriform describe? Matt, what about like a coil shape? Because of a python can coil? You know what I mean? It's, Something like that? It's possible, but I think think that the ovi um in the is latin based and i think that the pyra is also more latin based when we're looking at the shape um i i don't know what what pyri or piri would be but if you're looking at shapes um you know round egg shaped my thought was potentially pear shaped um meaning smaller at top and then rounder on the bottom. Mm-hmm. I think I think that that might be it. Um, okay. But cuz I think it's a I think it's also a round shape. Um But I don't know. I'm I'm down with that. I think it sounds good. Okay. I like your reasoning. We'll go pear shape. Okay, we we're taking a little cue from the category name and figured it might be an Ed Sheeran hint. Uh, so we, we said uh, X because I believe he had a, like a multiplication symbol as one of his albums. So we said X, like cross-shaped. All right. Well, points to one team. It is pear-shaped. Good pull, Matt. So I will draw an X over that answer. <laughs> but not a minus, now, at least. So that's good. Now, now I'm a notorious Ed Sharon hater, but the way he won that lawsuit by playing a bunch of songs with the same chords in court... Is pretty BA. I, I got to give mm-hmm. him credit. 
he said he was going to retire from music forever if he lost that lawsuit. He, yeah, so I kind of had my fingers crossed, um, <laughs> but but he was he was right. He should have won that, and he did. So, at the end of regulation, it looks like Triviality with Buds going to be picking up thirty extra points, bringing their total to one hundred and thirty. And No Friends picking up 30 points as well, bring their total to 145. So 15 points is all that separates both of these teams. Let's hear what those categories are for the final round, Nathan. All right. Well, I am a Minnesota guy, so I had to go with the following categories for final round. And they are Twins, Vikings, Wolves, Wild, and Lynx. All of the wagers are locked in, and for the listeners at home, Team No Friends going to be betting 20 all the way down, and Team Triviality with Buds going to be betting 25 all the way down. So Which see places how... us in danger. It does it, place you well, in danger. we just need to get them all right, and they need to miss <laughs> one. So, you know, we'll see what happens. What <laughs> are the questions? All right. In the category of twins... Twin brothers Norris and Ross McWhorter co-founded what superlative book series in 1955, now published in 100 countries and 23 languages? In the category of Vikings, characters in which composer's 1870 opera Der Ring des Nibelungen helped to create the false stereotype that Vikings wear horned helmets? In the category Wolves, what autoimmune disease, whose full name translates to wolf redness, was named because 18th century doctors thought it was caused by a wolf bite? In the category wild, wild rice, like domesticated rice, is grown in shallow water in small lakes and slow-flowing streams. With 7.1 million pounds produced in 2021, what state is the largest producer of cultivated wild rice in the world? And in the category of links, uh, this is kind of a, an SAT type uh, question. So Alicia Silverstone is to Rachel Blanchard as Christy Swanson is to blank. There are the questions. We will do our best to answer these and we'll be right back after the messages. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. All the answers are now in. Let's go back to Nathan for the questions one more time. We'll see how this all shakes out. All right. In the category of twins, twin brothers Norris and Ross McWhorter co-founded what superlative book series in 1955, now published in 100 countries and in 23 languages? So two words jumped out to us. One is co-founded, implying that it wasn't them who wrote it, and the other is superlative. So we thought it was maybe the Guinness Book of World Records. We agreed, and we also said Guinness Book of World Records. And both teams are correct. All right. In the category of Vikings... 
characters in which composer's 1870 opera Der Ring des Nibelungen helped create the false stereotype that Vikings wear horned helmets? Uh, we said Wagner. And I didn't even read the part that it was about a uh, composer. So, <laughs> whoops. I said Flight of the Valkyrie, which I is not even close to anything. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the song uh, in the opera. But, uh, yes, the correct answer is Wagner. Richard Wagner. Richard Wagner. Apologies to my poor German pronunciation on that. You, but that you're beautiful. You're up where all the Germans are, right? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> and Swedes. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, category of wolves. What autoimmune disease, whose full name translates to wolf redness, was named because 18th century doctors thought it was caused by a wolf bite? All right. And uh, so... You know, I would have had no idea what this was uh, unless I watched House over and over and over again. Uh, we think this is lupus. Just this one time, it is lupus. <laughs> oh, I wanted to make the house reference. That's okay. We said too lupus. bad, man. <laughs> we took it away from you. Said That's lupus why I wanted too. it. <laughs> All right. Yes, the answer is lupus. Uh, the full name is lupus erythromosis. Erythromat. Uh, yeah, lupus erythematosus. Let's just stick with lupus. Yeah, lupus. Lupus is much easier to say. All right. And in the category of wild, wild rice, like domesticated rice, is grown in shallow water in small lakes and slow-flowing streams. With 7.1 million pounds produced in 2021, what state is the largest producer of cultivated wild rice in the world? So we're saying lots of lakes and streams and stuff, so we got to go with uh, the hometown Minnesota answer. We went somewhat the opposite, uh, way further south. Thinking somewhere that maybe eats a lot of rice, a little bit hotter, and uh, we went with Louisiana. All right. Well, points to no friends. I did mm. have to throw in the the home state uh, trivia, and there it is, Minnesota. You know, I mentioned this might have been the Homer question of the night, and it and it was. <laughs> Dang. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the final category links. Alicia Silverstone is to Rachel Blanchard as Christy Swanson is to blank. Um, so we knew Alicia Silverstone is most famous for playing Cher and Clueless and Christy Swanson most famous for playing Buffy, but we couldn't quite get this connection because we didn't know who Rachel Blanchard is. So we just went with Cher thinking maybe Christy Swanson was also in Clueless and Rachel Blanchard was her character or something like that. We went with Sarah Michelle Gellar just thinking, um, the connection to TV shows, uh, Alicia Silverstone sharing the movie, maybe Rachel Blanchard, the actress on the TV show, and then Christy Swanson in the movie Buffy and Sarah Michelle Gellar on the TV show. All right. Yep. Uh, triviality with Bud's head exactly right. So Alicia Silverstone uh, played Cher on the movie version of Clueless and Rachel Blanchard played it in the TV version. Christy Swanson was Buffy, and so Sarah Michelle Geller is the correct answer because she played Buffy on the TV show. Well, the scores are in, and uh, Triviality with Buds, uh, not going to be coming out on top today, but it's it's good to have Buds uh, when you play trivia because then you can all have fun after, uh, after the game, regardless if you win or not. So they are going to pick up 25 points, bringing their final total to 155. But picking up 60 points in the final round, bringing their score to 205, are today's cream of the crop, No Friends. The cream of the crop. Well, No Friends, but lots of points. And, uh, yeah, feels good to be the cream. But uh, great, great game uh, put up by you two, Matt and Ryan. Yes. Yeah, and uh, uh, thank you so much, Ryan, for being here today. We're so excited to have you on the show finally, and uh, just as fans of the show and uh, getting to know you a little bit, it's been so much fun. Why don't you let folks at home know where they can find you, your show, and anything else you have going on, and any other final shout-outs, of course, as well. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. You guys can listen to my podcast Monday through Friday, Trivia with Buds. Just search the word trivia on any uh, podcast app, and you'll see Triviality and Trivia with Buds, usually right towards the top. So, Give us both a listen. Give us both a uh, subscribe. And uh, check out my website, TriviaWithBuds.com. If you want to book any events, uh, bingo, game shows, singo, trivia, you name it, I can come do it. Ted Lasso cast approves, I hope. And uh, 
this has been a blast. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, if you're like, you know what? I want to listen to a great episode of trivia, but I don't have an hour. Check out Ryan's show because he does great little snippets every single day. And I will say my favorite thing about uh, your program, Ryan, is uh, your different posters that you use. I've, saw, I've seen you uh, have your face as Dalton from Roadhouse. I think right now it's Macho Man. You always have a great different piece of artwork that's always fun to, to pop up on your feed. So uh, great job with that. Thanks a lot, Neil. New one coming by the time this episode's out. Awesome. Cool. Can't wait to see it. And uh, Nathan, thank you so much for writing today's game. Really clever questions. Wish I was playing myself. Um, so nice of you to put together a full game for us. Uh, any uh, parting words from you before we let you go today? Uh, no, I mean, this was a lot of fun. Uh, my first time hosting or actually appearing on the show at all. So um, I would love to be back either uh, write another show or as a as a guest answering the questions. Um, shout out to my wife, Brianna. And I guess I should say happy anniversary because it's our anniversary coming Congrats. up. But she uh, she's keeping the dogs quiet today. So shout out to Brianna. And before we go, really quick, we want to, as always, thank Airwave Media and airwavemedia.com, where you can find such great podcasts as Earn and Invest, Historical Blindness, and Reach, a space podcast for kids. Well, well thank you so much, and hopefully next time, if you do want to host another game, we'll, we'll get a glimpse of uh, Lila and Penny Lane. But uh, until then, thank you very much uh, to Nathan and Ryan. Uh, and uh, maybe we'll try some of that schadenfreude. What's it called? Hogglesslog. Hogglesslog. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, thank you to Nathan, Ryan, uh, Matt, Jeff, and Ken. My name is Neil, uh, and that was Hogginschlag. <laughs>